With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Coffee and Football, presented by Rick Vavro and Austin Underground. I'm your host, Blake Monroe, where I'm joined this morning by Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton. And hey, it's it's like leap day, I guess is what you would call it. <laughs> leap year yeah. day. I don't know what, what the official name of it is, but it's February 29th. Very cool there. But a lot going on, a lot to talk about. Tell us where you're checking in from, what you're drinking this morning, all that good stuff. And uh, guys, let's start with the NFL Combine that, you know, I guess technically started Monday or Tuesday or whatever, but they didn't really get rolling until yesterday with the media interviews, things like that. Sweat, of course, uh, Ford and Murphy all took the stage and spoke to the media. And we have a, uh, a clip here of everything Sweat said about the Longhorns. Kevin Banks, uh, I can tell you all this about Kevin Banks. Uh, he... Definitely going to be the first tackle off the board next year, 100%. Oh, my God. Alfred Collins can do everything. I feel like a lot of people sleep on Alfred Collins. Bull crap. Alfred Collins is a GOAT. He's a great guy, and he's going to do awesome things this year, and I can't wait to watch him. Right. Uh, It actually helps a lot. Uh, We had leadership meetings where – we sat there, we had uh, talked to Quinn, and we was like, Quinn, you are a quarterback. We need you to be that vocal leader. And that's what he did. And I know he's killing even more now because confidence is there. I mean, y'all see, Quinn is goaded. You know what I'm saying? Not even, I mean, the most humble way possible, Quinn is goaded. So I can't wait to watch him play either. I really can't. I can't wait to watch all those guys play. Uh, I mean, you're looking at him, you know. Byron said he played running back. He actually did. He showed me. I uh, I didn't believe him at first. And I was like, man, you got to show me. And he showed me. And, He's a better runner. You're a better receiver. I mean, I want to say better, you know. That's my dog. Right. Uh, I mean, it was a fun experience going there and playing against Alabama in their uh, home field. I mean. Nick Saban is Nick Saban, so, yeah, it's awesome. But, I mean, there's really not much to it. It's like it was an exciting experience, and we believed in our coach, like I said, and we came out with the victory. What do you think? That offseason, actually, the past offseason before the season, we went into the uh, offseason knowing what we had, knowing what we got, and 
we took every advantage of it that our coach gave us. We all believed, we all came together, we built a culture and we came out with the outcome we came. Right, I would just talk about that. Uh, what helped us this season was, of course, the guys next to us, 100%. I feel like that's what a lot of people like, oh, how about you and Byron Murphy, you know? Yeah, us, but y'all not thinking about the Alfred Collins or the Vernon Bryden or the uh, Ben Sorrell or the Burt. Y'all not thinking about those guys, but those guys compete as hard as we compete, you know? And I feel like I, I like to say their name because a lot of people don't. It's all like, oh, Murphy or Sweat, like, yeah, it's us, but – we can't just do it by our dang self, you know what I mean? So I give all credit to the guys that was next to us. <clears throat> so there you go. He had a lot to say about Texas. <laughs> well, so uh, here, I got to turn my hype button up a little bit to keep up with the laundry. All right. Everybody was goaded. All right. I don't know if I can do that. I'm not sure I'm going to that level, but uh, uh, I thought that was great confidence in the program and the players moving forward. Steve Sarkeesian. You know, I know the questions were asked about specific guys, but a great takeaway from that was the confidence the uh, the players have in Steve Sarkeesian and the direction of the football program, Bobby. That was my number one takeaway from that. Yeah, and it wasn't just it wasn't just uh, um, Tavondre Sweat yesterday. Byron Murphy uh, was on, took to the mic as well and had some great things to say. Uh, I, I just I look at it and Texas has eleven players at the combine right now. It's the highest number in program history. So things are clearly going in the right direction, in my opinion. We've looked at past year's recruiting classes and discussed hit rates and all that stuff. Um, but it's just it's just so going in the right direction. A couple of things that I took away from it, Jerry, he mentioned confidence in Quinn Ewer's building. I, I think that's going to be important uh, going into this offseason. Like, what do we see? And somebody asked this on the, the message board, I think it was, right in one of the chats uh, here on, on Texas football yesterday, is how much more improved will Quinn be early in the season this year, given that he had so much confidence coming off of last year? And that could be really important when Texas goes into Ann Arbor, right? And Tavondre talked a little bit about that confidence. Uh, I also loved his comment on, Kelvin Banks, uh, that was big in my opinion. Uh, first tackle off the board, period. Uh, Byron Murphy and what he said. Uh, Blake, you, you've got that as well, I guess. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I wanted to bring that up uh, with with Murphy here. I'll play that real quick. Yeah, uh, I say on defense, I'm pretty sure y'all heard of him. He's a freshman. I say Anthony Hill. And I say uh, when it's time for him, you know, for him to come, you know, and uh, do this process, I feel like he's going to be a first-round guy. So just be on the lookout for him. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. I mean, he didn't hesitate. He was asked about elite players at Texas, and Anthony Hill uh, gets the nod, not surprisingly, by the way, uh, right, to, to anyone that's a Texas fan. Uh, but I felt like it was very interesting just how how quickly those guys, uh, particularly Murphy, answered that question as it related to just an open-ended question, who would it be? And he went with Anthony Hill on defense. I, I, so here's what I think. Um you know, it, it kind of ties back to something I saw in a playoff basketball game earlier this week. Guys who are young, and they whether it's high school they come into and they elevate to a varsity level and play big time in the playoffs, or it's a freshman in college. If you come in and you're fearless and you work hard, those guys impress 
veterans in locker rooms and people like me in the stands. I mean, that is what, but that's really what impresses coaches and teammates is when you come in, when you take a big step in whatever you do and you're fearless and you work as hard as the guy next to you and the older guys. That's what it's all about. You know, Daryl Royal had this old saying, and it doesn't necessarily, uh, it's not necessarily a, 100% applicable to this group, but Daryl Royal used to say, if a dog's going to bite, he'll bite as a pup. (laughs) And so, you know, I I think that, you know, Calvin Banks did that, right? Um, Anthony Hill did that. But you look at Byron Murphy, he was fearless and young when he first got on campus, but he did not play a ton. No, He got some snaps. So I think that that uh, while maybe the top 10 guys, the the Kelvin Banks of the world, the Anthony Hills might be that way. There are also guys that develop over time. That's right. And, uh, and so and Bobby, to your, point, to your point, you can still have that same fearlessness. You just need time to physically develop. But yep. you still impress your teammates, even if you're not making 60 tackles in, in your freshman season, if you're a Trevor Goosby and you're the second string left tackle, but you're a fearless guy and you're working just as hard as them. They can, they can already see, okay, this guy's going to be a really good player. Right. I mean, so it, to your point, guys develop, I mean, Byron Murphy, he had to fill out that frame over time at Texas. Uh, but I, I guarantee you knowing Byron and knowing Anthony, what Byron really likes about Anthony is they have the same mentality at the same age. Very professional, very relatable. Yep, yep. I was, I was just thinking about that guys on the roster that might be that way. Derek Williams, yes. Uh, based on what I'm being told, Ryan Wingo, Brandon Baker. Uh, I, I'll tell you who's like that is Ethan Burke. I mean, because Ethan Burke, you know, it's one of the small things you see, but it's one of those things that I put in the back of my memory in the memory bank. So I was on Bevo Boulevard this year, and when guys just get off the bus, I you know, if you just watch mannerisms, Ethan Burke is a really confident guy. Now, he just – he walks around with a, I'm supposed to be here and be really good without being arrogant. And, Bobby, we had him on the show when he was coming out of high school. He was an extremely confident kid, but not arrogant. But, like, there's never – despite him being – a lacrosse star and getting the football late as a recruit, he he believes he belongs and belongs as a starter on a pl- college football playoff team. That's the vibe I got from watching him walk down Bevo Boulevard three times last year. I, I think that's fair. I, I think those guys are fair. I think I'm I'm hearing a little bit about uh, Xavier Filsamy in that re- regard. Alex January uh, is another one. Trey Moore. Of all the transfers, apparently has that in spades, just to, to be brutally honest. Like he is being talked about as a possible team leader um, in the Roshan Johnson type. Not, I mean, I'm not saying he's Roshan Johnson, but I'm just telling you, people behind the scenes say that dude's that dude's here for one reason, uh, and that's to kick butt and win. And so I, I, I think there are a lot of players like that at Texas, more and more under Steve Sarkeesian than we've seen. Uh, it's going to be, I think, I want to say this the right way because I, I don't want to diminish what Texas uh, accomplished this year or even when they 
moved to eight and five the year before, or any any team that's gone before, right? The team that won the Sugar Bowl against Georgia. I don't want to. You don't you don't need to tear those guys down uh, when you build someone else up. So I'm trying to make sure I say this right, but I feel like there's more of those guys. There's more Chuck Amenahues who aren't going to let anything stand in the way between them and their goal of being an NFL football player and kicking butt. Yeah. Right. Puna Ford is another one, right, Jerry? He's five foot eleven NFL player. You know. So I, I I think Texas is just getting more of those guys right now. That's part of it. They're just getting more of them. Hey, by the way, just had something come across uh, a text from a kid as well. So we have a ton of recruiting news, Blake, I want to get yeah, to. But yeah. I was about to say, speaking of kicking butt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you broke a lot of recruiting news yesterday. Well, I, I, let's, let's add this. But one thing on Trey Moore real quick, too. Ivy League offers out of high school, not a highly recruited football player. So that guy's got that chip on his shoulder with a lot of intelligence, and he just bet on himself in a big way. He could have stayed at UTSA and racked up 16 sacks his third year at UTSA and been the player of the year, defensive player of the year in the conference again. That guy just bet on himself big time. It takes a lot of confidence to do that at that level of where it's Texas, Ohio State, or Alabama. Uh, So the recruiting is – Cortland Guillory, uh, DB safety out of Klein Oak, uh, texted me this morning and said June 7th through 9th for an official visit he has set up. He's also – Is that the corner? Yeah, he's. Good. I think he's going to be a safety, uh, but really good player. Um, really good player. Uh, A&M, I think he's going to unofficially visit A&M and Texas this spring before official visits. He hadn't set up the A&M official yet, but he said Texas – uh, June seventh through ninth, so that's another one. Hmm. So, like I said, you also broke a ton of other recruiting news yesterday, Jerry. Um, and why don't you just run down the list for everybody? Yeah, so it's interesting. We the two big official visit weekends that's starting to come together, uh, June fourteenth through sixteenth for Texas. So yesterday, um, on Texas football, broke the news that Ricky Stewart had June uh, 14th through 16th scheduled to run him back out of Chapel Hill, who's a big Texas lean over Baylor. Kelshawn Johnson, the receiver out of Hitchcock, uh, who you guys know I love. It's like I, Daniel Cruz was my guy last year. Kelshawn may be that guy for me this year. Um, different personalities, but just something, something about that kid now. Um, he's got Texas scheduled June 14th through 16th. He's also got Penn State. May 31st through June 2nd, he FaceTimes with James Franklin every week. He's got Texas Tech June 7th through 9th, where his good friend and high school teammate quarterback Lloyd Jones is committed. Then he's got Texas. Then he's got USC the 21st through 23rd. And you're about to hear USC a lot. Um, Riley Pettijon on Texas Football broke the news last night. Uh, Riley Pettijon is scheduled to visit Texas June 14th through 16th and USC June 21st through 23rd. On Texas football broke the news that Brandon Brown, the four-star Texas commitment D lineman out of O'Galley, he says he's got Texas scheduled June 10th through 12th midweek. We'll see if that holds. Texas had no midweeks last year. Maybe they want him and Kenny Baker to spend a lot of time together. Brandon's going to unofficially visit Texas March 22nd as well. That'll be the first time he's met Kenny Baker and spent extensive time with the staff. Um, so that'll be interesting. He's got Tennessee. I'm talking about Brandon Baker out of O'Galley. Tennessee, June 7th through 9th, and USC, June 21st through 23rd. So 
if you're looking at who Texas is going head to head with, it's AM, it's LSU, and it's USC in this cycle, the way these official visits are setting up. We already had John Mills from St. Ignatius. We broke that news a while back, June 14th through 16th is his official visit. We broke the news that John Tay Newman Sunday was officially visiting Texas June 14th through 16th. That's the offensive tackle out of Bridgeland. And I'm probably forgetting somebody from yesterday. There was so much going on. Um, but we Bo got Barnes, did Bo Barnes uh, set his as well? He, he has not. Uh, he has not released that yet. He's a, he's releasing. I think a top ten on Friday, so I think he'll start releasing some of that after. But if that's not the 14th through 16th, I'd be a little surprised. Either, uh, of, the Coleman, either of the Coleman twins. Uh, nothing. Nothing. Nothing yet on those official uh, visits for the those guys. Um, but then we have we also have Damian Shanklin from Indianapolis, um, uh, Warren Central to Edge. He is June 21st through 23rd, along with Jackson Christian from Port Natchez Groves. The uh, Britt Rasco, uh, I don't know if you're on, but Jackson Christian on Texas football broke that news Sunday. His Texas visits June 21st through 23rd. He's at AM the 14th through 16th, which is AM's big weekend in June. Tyler Thomas from Dickinson will be at AM that weekend, then Texas at the following weekend. Uh, Cade Phillips, we broke that news. That was the one I was forgetting on Texas football, broke that news that Cade Phillips will officially visit Texas June 21st through 23rd. And I, I, I like where that one's headed. KJ Lacey. Right? KJ Lacey has the two unofficial visits. He hasn't put out or confirmed a visit date. It'll be interesting to see if he's the 14th through 16th or 21st through 23rd. Amari Winston is coming in the 21st through 23rd. So we shall see. Oh, Jerry Hamilton, you are a, a wealth of knowledge. Uh, last night we were doing the live stream, Jerry, and I'm sitting there and I get a text from you and it's like, Brandon Brown just set up his official visit. So during the middle of a live stream, I'm, I'm getting news from you that you're breaking uh, while we're on air. And I'm like, oh, boy, Jerry's at it again. You had a big day yesterday. A lot of recruiting news, to your point. Uh, all right. I need to say thank you to our sponsor and want to say thank you to our sponsor. Each and every Thursday morning's coffee and football is brought to you by the folks at Austin Underground. Uh, Austin Underground, since 2004, is specialized in difficult underground commercial installations in, the, in and around the city of Austin. The team's engineering background gives Austin Underground the ability to prefer, perform work other firms often consider just too risky. Rick Vavro and his team offer an end-to-end -end client experience, including seamless communication, budgeting, staffing, and top-notch trade partners. And most importantly, they produce solid quality work each and every time. That's Austin Underground. Uh, hook them to Austin Underground. And thank you uh, for your sponsorship of Coffee and Football. Forgot I was muted. All right. Well, another thing that we need to touch on: there was a uh, somewhat of a not what there was an upset last night in college basketball, women's college basketball more specifically. Oklahoma and Texas faced off some controversy there uh, toward the end. Bobby, I'm gonna let you touch on that. Yeah. I so I was on the uh, I was on the live stream. I did not actually see the ending, although Texas led for most of the way and then gave it away at the end on a what I. I, I did watch the highlight, a little bit of a controversial traveling call. I, I think that the refs had a little bit to do with that in Norman last night, based on what I'm I'm hearing and seeing. Uh, so, uh, but the, the ladies fall uh, in Norman uh, to OU, of course, Texas, uh, fighting for a number one seed uh, right now. 
in, in uh, women's basketball. The tournament uh, went down last night, 71-70 uh, to the Sooners. Yep. So that I guess the other that that means Oklahoma will take the number one seed. Yeah, I, I, you may have said that I was responding to a text, but uh, um, th- yeah, that uh, uh, that that means Oklahoma is going to win the Big Twelve regular season, which will give Texas a little uh, a little uh, something for the Big Twelve tournament. Yeah, well, I'll tell you one thing: Vic Schaefer was not happy <laughs> on, <laughs> on that call. I love I love watching him. I love his his uh, post game press conferences. They're always just a lot of fun to listen to. My you opinion. know, he's got win or lose. He's got some Steve Spurrier without the outright just don't give a crap what I say to him. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, one other thing that we need to touch on this morning, uh, and, and we talked about it yesterday, are the wildfires up in the Panhandle. It is now the second largest fire, I believe, in the state of Texas history. Um, and I want to say it's either thirty-seven or 47,000 acres away from becoming number one so i mean that very unfortunate there was also the first uh, casualty that confirmed this morning as well so a very unfortunate situation there um but and i believe it's only three percent contained was what i heard on the news before we started the show and it has now spread into oklahoma along with that so it just uh, continues to grow and i i just can't imagine having to to deal with all that and just the uncertainty of the situation Look, I mean, think about people's homes are at risk. Yes, I, I, we know that. But but the area, Panhandle is sparsely populated, right? But think of all the, I mean, the cattle, the, I I mean, all of those. I mean, just, I mean, it's just that's just a brutal, you know. Thankfully, there's only been one casualty, Blake. Uh, yeah. But it, it's it goes so much further than that. It devastates an area, and, and I mentioned this. Yesterday, I mean, we all uh, have grown up Texans, etc. Um, and and the one thing that I do think Texans take pride on is this is the Texas show, essentially. And so when one area is hurting, it it sucks. I mean, that's just that's just really really bad. And and I hope I hope things get better today, though. Uh, yeah. we, thankfully, we had some guys. We've had some guys check in from uh, Borger. Mm-hmm. Uh, some other uh, West Texas towns as well, up in the Panhandle, Amarillo. Uh, so hopefully, guys, if you're you're okay up there, please let us know. Yeah, please let us know. And Jerry says the fire is almost five times the size of Austin. Well, you know, I get the DFW news, uh, and this morning on Fox Four, they were saying that it's actually the size of Dallas County plus a little over half the size of Tarrant County combined right now. So that really puts into perspective how big that is. That's just insane. Brutal. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we got some questions rolling in. So let's go ahead and jump over to those. And uh, we'll start with this one here from Antoine for Jerry. He says, who do you think the best basketball player on this year's football team is? Maybe Savion Red or Jelani McDonald? Or Jerry, do you have somebody else in mind? Yeah. Trevor Gooseby. I mean... (laughs) 6'8", and now strong? I mean, I'm guessing if you went to the rec center, he would be tough to defend uh, for <laughs> any Texas uh, uh, football player because I know he's got basketball skill. By the way, that's a big visitor. Austin Gooseby, uh, 6'5", sophomore guard at Melissa, uh, uh, Trevor's little brother. Uh, not Maybe not little for long. Uh, he may be 6'8", too. Um, 
he was 21 points a game this year. He's unofficially visiting Texas in basketball Saturday. He's on the basketball radar. Texas is in contact with his AAU people. So is Duke and so is Kansas. So uh, that's uh, – oh, Jordan Washington. That's a great one, Casey. I mean, Jordan Washington was a really good player, played AAU ball. He can play above the rim. He, he Now, Jordan will be scary at 250 with a with Torrey Becton behind him on the old rec center court. Um, but I'll, I I say this to say the, the next thing. Y'all stay off the, the rec center court, please. I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, we you, don't need that. You Can you think about injuries that happened over the years that you mm. heard about on the basketball court by uh, football players? I mean, you know. Darian Gallette is one of them. Yeah. Oh um, no! I meant while they were at Texas. I, oh, in the rec center, there's been some minor injuries over the years. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, Gary Gillette like- was a big. It was a very good basketball player. To your point. Hey, I, the first time I ever saw Jare Bledsoe, still one of my favorite stories. First time I ever saw Jare Bledsoe, I was in Bremont uh, because he hadn't gone back to Marlin, which he actually lived by the school, and the UIL ruled him ineligible, and that really set back his development with BS uh, by the UIL on that one, but. Dre Bledsoe was in basketball practice, and he was ah, six, three, four, 255 at the time. Was Elbow was over the rim. And I was like, oof, I, I know why Ed Orgeron, Oklahoma, Alabama, Texas. I, I, I instantly saw why everybody was offering the guy. Now, then- it's time for him, now it's time for him to be a dude. Go get it, Dre. We're going to follow up with this discussion from this question from Champ Bailey. Three, do we know of Amari Nyblack hoops? You know, I don't know. I, I I know he played at some point. I don't know about, like, high school. I'll do some research on that. Uh, and then one other one from Champ Bailey. He said, and I did hear Byron Murphy say this yesterday. He mentions Xavier Worthy was a good hooper. Have you ever seen him hoop? I it, Look, if it, his speed and quickness – uh, I there is no way if he doesn't have an understanding of how to play basketball, uh, he's not a good player. He is just too long and wiry and explosive. He is built like a basketball player. He was he was I was gonna say the the hops he has are probably pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean what I think he was a twenty four foot long jumper. Um, Jelani McDonald was too, by the way. I mean to to that point, and Darian Gallette and all these guys. I mean. I don't know who the best basketball player is on the Texas uh, football team. We That may be a question, an off-season question. We actually asked a couple of players when we get player availability this spring, Jerry. That that <laughs> may be a good question for them. And then we're going to take an actual basketball question real quick for you, Jerry. Living rent-free in UT says, hey, Jerry, your thoughts on A.J. Johnson skipping college to average 2.9 points, 0.7 assists, and 1.3 rebounds in Australia. <laughs> you know I- – I don't think Ron Holland made a good decision either. Um, and Ron Holland slipped in the draft. Um, AJ just didn't want to be a college student at the end of the day. That's really was the driving force behind his decision. He decided he didn't want to be a student and go to college for two or three years. Bottom line. Now, it wasn't about anything else. I'm just telling you guys, he decided he didn't want to go to school. And that's fine. That's his. But it, it's made his development a lot more difficult or a longer process. Uh, uh, Blake Bryant says Holland was averaging 21 a game in the G League. Yeah, he's 19 points. Um, you know, turnover rate was high, uh, playing against men. Um, 
So more than the points, rebounds, assists, uh, you know, what was he, about 29 from three in that area, and that, that number's got to be up. The NBA is a tough – when you're draft eligible the next year, and I, I it'll be interesting to see what Ron heights at, six, six and a half. They list him at six, eight. I, I'd be shocked if he hides at six, eight without shoes. But playing against men, developing that wing game when you're you're more of an energy power forward your whole life, um, is uh, that's a tougher task. He's going to be a first round pick, but before the season, he was being mocked top five. Now, most people have him 15 to 22. So it'll be interesting to see where he actually ends up. He's going to be a good pro because he's got a great motor. All right, Joe, we're going to jump over to the ontextfootball.com forums for this next question here. And I'm going to bring it up. And it's from K. John. And K. John says, what are some key metrics that would indicate a successful football season, such as Quinn's 75% completion rate, a running back at 1,000 yards, et cetera, et cetera? That's a really good question. So, look, I think if uh, Quinn completes, what was he last year, Bobby, 67? 71. 70. 71. Yeah, I mean, look, if he – in Steve Sarkeesian's offense, if anybody's thinking, okay, this guy's going to go out and complete 76, 77% of passes, in a downfield passing game, not going to happen. Um, but if he's at 71 again, uh, he, that that's a heck of a good season once again. Um, so, I like, his stats, does that doesn't really matter to me um, because stats in college football so dependent on the scheme you play in a lot of times. So, I, I don't look at that one as much as, um, you know, Bobby, I'm not sure there's a metric other than I would like to, uh, here's one. I'd like to see Bird Auburn average less field goal attempts per game next year. No doubt. No, that's, that's the one metric to follow for me. If that happens, Texas is punching the ball into the end zone more. I want to see more running backs with more touchdowns next to their name next year. All right. So I, I'll take a little bit, a little bit deeper dive on this uh, because I do think I do think that you can get up to the 73 74% completion rate for Quinn and I do think that matters because they're going to need to keep the ball and maintain the ball even more than they did a year ago hopefully even though they're going into a uh, more difficult defensive conference to Jerry's point uh, there are some other stats that are kind of minor in my opinion um, like third down efficiency on defense that was very good last year in comparison, it can't boomerang back to where it was. That is extraordinarily important, in my opinion. You cannot let the third down defense slip back to where it was previously. If you do, you are going to see a change in the win-loss record for Texas, in my opinion, because third down defense and third down offense are as important as anything in college football from a stat and a winning percentage uh, perspective. Um, also, the other thing I would have uh, here is if, if you're just talking about Quinn, and I went over this last year, is TD to interception ratio. Very, very important that that is. I don't think it was quite four to one this year, which was the goal going into the year. He needs to up that to five to one this year. So he did not meet four to one last year. If he's really going to take a turn and and even improve and make sure that he's a Possible top 10 pick in the NFL draft, five to one is what it needs to be, in my opinion. Uh, so I look at it that way, Jerry and Blake. Uh, there are a couple of stats that do matter. 
Uh, I do think red zone efficiency matters. Red zone defense matters. For sure. Uh, But the big one for me uh, on defense is third down defense. I I agree. You and I, you and I, we've, we've all seen Texas get bludgeoned. I, it's almost like a war of attrition, right? Third and four, and they get a first down. Third and three, and they get a first down. Texas can't have that happen. Uh, when it does, it just puts too much pressure on the offense to be perfect. Hey, I, um, I want to just yeah. just just for for some history on Steve Sarkeesian's offense. Tua Tongvailoa at Alabama had four first round picks at wide receiver. He completed 69% and 71.4 was his highest. So, I I mean, and he played with as good a receiver core as you will ever have that make plays for a quarterback. And he was extremely accurate. So, uh, I, I think that perspective-wise for Quinn's completion percentage, Sark is such a downfield passing offense, even deep intermediate. Just think about the opposite field hash deep throws that he makes, you know, on the comebacks. That It's not – to me, it's not – if Quinn completed 75% next year, he's had an unbelievable season just from an accuracy standpoint. But to Bobby's point, Quinn red zone efficiency, throwing it, Texas red zone efficiency, running it. Bird Auburn, seeing less of Bird Auburn from 42 to 45 yards next year is going to be a good sign for Texas. Um, and Bird Auburn's a tremendous kicker, but the, le- the less he kicks, the better for Texas because that means they're scoring more touchdowns. This next question comes from Horn for Life. And he says, who do you think will score the next big man touchdown? That's an easy one, Malik Ogbo. No, you hey, can't. Hey, that, that is a good one. That, is, that was easy, Jerry. Hey, by the way, Bert Auburn, 35 attempts last year. Uh, so that's that's all right at three field goal attempts a game. That's too many. Yeah. You know, two is about right uh, for, a, for a 13-game season, 14-game season. Uh, we're going to go back to this question. I'm ruling out Malik Ogbo. You cannot select an offensive player. He clearly means a defensive player. Who's it going to be? I would go Jure Bledsoe. I like that one. Because I think he actually has some athleticism that you might be able to put at tight end or in the backfield as a lead blocker. He He's like a little bit like Byron Murphy in that regard. Like Sweat caught a touchdown pass, but you knew – 99% he was a blocker. I mean, he got a touchdown pass because they had already thrown one to Byron Murphy, to be honest. So I I, I feel like that's that's where it's at. Somebody like that. I like it. What do you what do you say? A throwback to a to a tackle like Kelvin Banks? What do you think? Cam, Cam Williams, rumbling and stumbling. <laughs> I'd like somebody to try to tackle Cam Williams. Take <laughs> him up high. <laughs> Go for a ride. That would be a lot of fun to watch. Hey, Cam Williams' big old head's gonna fall across the goal line if he's at the one. Okay? He is not a. I mean, how? What was it? Duncanville that had to get him a new helmet. Yes, Texas. I can't oh, yeah, remember. Duncanville had to order a specialty helmet for Cam Williams. I mean, that gets back to a Leonard Davis story. What did Wortham even do to get him a helmet? <laughs> I, I'm guessing he was committed to AM at the time, and RC Slocum got him a helmet. But that's just my guess. Oh yeah, could be. <laughs> all right jerry well it's everybody's favorite time of the morning it's time for you to tell them about manscaped this should be your favorite time in the morning i mean i you know look let's be let's be real 2024 is here in full swing and that means it's time for a new year's resolution check-in with our friends at manscaped 
Newsflash, it's never too late to level up your grooming game and keep that bush tamed, man. Manscaped's new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra is every man's cheat code to look good, feel good, turn the page on confidence this year. Whether you're going for a trim or that clean shaven look, this trimmer has you covered. Trusted by over 10 million men worldwide, now's your time to get a grip on your grooming with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com. And use code ONTEXAS, all caps, for 20% off plus free shipping. Guys, the ball is dropped, but don't drop the ball on your balls, man. Hey, and by the way, Manscaped, ONTEXAS, 20% off. And by the way, why this is now the easily the best read ever, it's all on the line for Bobby Burton Sunday night. <laughs> if myself or Rod takes down Bobby in our trivia, our, our Longhorn live stream trivia Sunday, Bobby has to do the Manscape read, boys and girls. <laughs> I I did not agree to the whole Rod. I knew he was going to agree to you beating me. I knew you were going to I'm not, I'm not anybody's sucker, Jerry. <laughs> so Rod and Bobby are clearly not worried about me because if it, if it predates Ricky Williams, I'm going to be somewhat guessing. Um, so I think Bobby feels a lot of confidence in this. I think it depends on what the what the questions are like. I mean, you never know what, what a trivia contest is going to look like, right? I, mean, I can tell you this. I'm already working on getting that officiating crew from Norman down to help me win Sunday. So Bobby <laughs> has to read Manscaped. I think Blake is the officiating crew. Yeah, I am the officiating crew. Well, and I do have help. I will say there's a computer system involved that like makes it a little bit easier on me. That, hey, so, that Blake, so, so Blake, I got a question. Would your son like to play in the Under Armour All-America baseball game? <laughs> I can make that happen for you. I can make that happen. How would you like to play this year? I mean, with the older kids. Let me talk off air, okay? Yeah, sounds good to me. Oh, man. Well, by the way, speaking of the game show, we got people asking, when is the game show? It will be on Sunday evening at 7 p.m. Do I have that right, Bobby? Yep, 7 o'clock. Um, and uh, it should be fun. Myself, Rod Babers, uh, Jerry, going to go off. Go. We're going to do a little something different in the offseason uh, this week only. Uh, it's a pilot episode. We might do some more in the future with other Longhorns. Uh, so we'll we'll see how it goes. It, it should be fun, but please join us. It's, it's going to be a little something different on Sunday night. And, hey, we also need y'all's help. And I'm going to put the link in the chat literally as I speak here. Um, you can go there or you can go to the ontexasfootball.com forums and go to the A Little Help thread and see the link in there as well. It's three questions. Literally takes like 30 seconds at the most to fill out. But we need your input. It goes toward the uh, the best way to put it's family feud section of the game. The game will be broken into three parts. Each part is completely different than the other one. But I believe that's going to be the middle segment. And we need as much input as we can. Much The, the more, the better. So please go there. Fill the questionnaire out. And uh, help Jerry maybe defeat Bobby. Hey, Blake, I'm, <laughs> Colton and I are now going to put pressure on you. You cannot wear this Texas Rangers bullcrap shirt. What are you? You are a game show host Sunday night. What's it? You have to come strong. What do you if, want me to wear? If your wife is watching. She's got the pressure because we all need help in this regard. <laughs> Unless you watch Vanderpump Rules, then you don't need help. Yeah. Yes, you do. <laughs> you need right. to help if you watch that.
Oh, man. But, yes, please go to the link. It's in the chat. It's on On Texas Football. Fill it out. We need all the input we can get. And uh, now we have some super chats that need y'all's input. So we're going to start with this one from V. Brown. And thank you, V. Brown. He says, are there any quality defensive tackles in the portal? If not, do we expect some to enter after spring? The answer is not yet. Right. And, and so we, we went through this uh, back in December, January. Uh, Texas took to Iole, uh Savea out of Arizona. That was the only one they really went after uh, in the in the portal. Now, what's going to happen in April when it reopens April 15th? Um, will any either of the guys at Michigan perhaps enter the portal? Will the defensive tackle at UCLA enter the portal that Johnny Nansen has? A previous connection to uh, the the more important thing to me, V Brown, is I'm hearing Texas would be interested not just in one defensive tackle, but two. So don't I mean if they're they're they do not want to go into the SEC thinking that there's anything light about them at defensive tackle. And frankly, you know I, I know people are trying to minimize. Oh, well, we'll be okay at defensive tackle. We'll we'll be able to handle them against the run. The problem they have right now is none of their top guys are specialized in run defense. Vernon Broughton's an upfield rusher. Alfred Collins is definitely an upfield rusher. Jeray Bledsoe, upfield rusher. You know, so they lost Trill Carter, who was more of a uh, anchor guy. So my point being, Sadir Mitchell and Alex January are both really, really young. And to re rely on those guys as your anchors in the middle of a defense, I think that's what concerns them most right now uh, about the defense more than anything else. And maybe the most concerning part of the team headed into 2024. And Savea will be a good anchor guy. Uh, he's the one with experience. I mean, that's all we've been talking about. It the bit To me, we did, uh, you know, CJ, Bobby, and I did uh, a show on – the Texas guys that need to step up most. And that's why Sadir Mitchell was number one for me uh, because on the roster, he's the guy, if you look at the defensive tackle roster, Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, Trey Scott battled Texas until the ink was dry on, on Sadir Mitchell. So both of those programs thought he could be an over-the-ball difference maker stopping the run. Um, it, it's time for Sadir to make a, take a big step this spring. It's his time. You're either going to jump up and seize it right now or you're saying, or or you're kind of saying, I'm still not mature enough to be that guy consistently. It's a big spring. He's got a big opportunity in front of him. And we have one other super chat, fellas. This one from J Dub Jerry. It's for you. He says, your thoughts on LT versus O'Connor tomorrow? I assume you like Travis versus yeah, O'Connor. Yeah, I don't. I don't know a ton about O'Connor. Uh, I do know that the kid uh, Hudson Greer is really good at Lake Travis, um, and he's not the only player over there, but he's really good. Uh, top fifty type kid in the country. I want, you know, I'm, I'm I, nothing against O'Connor if you're an O'Connor fan. I kind of want to see Lake Travis Stony Point get at it again. So that would be interesting to me in the regional final. <clears throat> and we're getting a lot of questions about the portal, things like that. So we're going to take some of those. This first one from E Kim, morning from Rockford, Illinois. Which positions do you see potential transfers from after spring ball? But I want to combine that with one other one from Ski Breck. And he says, do we have a loose count on what to expect regarding portal losses? No need to name names. Just a number would be nice. He's thinking around four. 
Um, I, you know, I, I think it could be as low as three and as high as seven or eight. I mean, look, I, I think that they're given the number of young enrollees, Jerry. Yeah. I think there are going to be some sophomores and juniors. I'm not sure how many that see the writing on the wall with the guys in front of them or guys behind them. Cause that's, that's the trap, right? Yeah, you don't want to be a sophomore or junior knowing that there's a better player behind you at your position. And so, how many of those guys might there be? You know, I'm not sure. You know, oh, this is nice, Brandon Huey. Put that back up. My niece is Vernon Broughton's fiance. I didn't know Vernon was engaged, uh, and he's getting stronger in his legs. I think he heard y'all. Lol, good kid though. Uh, thanks, Brandon, for uh, uh, for uh, adding that to the chat. Yeah. And good luck. Congratulations to Vernon for being engaged, by the way. Hey, by the way, it, um, Ver, Vernon, uh, look, whatever, it, it shouldn't be us, but whatever is making him maximize his talent. And it's a process for all these guys. Lower legs, lower body strength, just this natural build was going to be the last piece for him. Uh, yeah. If that, it, whatever he, he he's making him maximize his talent, good on him, man. It takes time. Oh, by the way, Stephen Henderson, yes, Aaron Bryant's a pretty good anchor against the run. A 10-15 snap anchor against the run guy. He's he's up 20 pounds uh, from when he signed with Texas. So he's getting big enough, strong enough to be a, a run anchor. Big spring for all these guys. I'll take this next one from East Sideline Troll. He says, do y'all have any insight into what Coach Choice looks for in his running backs? It seems like he doesn't miss with these evaluations. Well, I don't think he missed with with uh, Baxter or uh, Trey Wisner last year, and I was a little surprised with Trey Wisner, Jerry, because uh, he had he could have chosen a bunch of different guys. He went with Trey. Um, look, I think that he realizes, and I think a lot of college coaches realize that running back is not a of, of all positions. It's not a one size fits all position. You don't have to be 6'2", 230. You don't have to be 225 to be able to do everything. And there's a number of different ways you can run the ball and be successful. Um, and I think that he leans into that. What I will say, and what I've always thought is, you look at a running back and you look for things that he does great. Not just good, but great that can translate. So, um, if, if it's a five foot 10, 180 pound running back in high school that breaks a lot of tackles, that doesn't, and he's great at breaking tackles in high school, that doesn't necessarily translate. Now, if he's 230 pounds or 220 pounds and breaks a lot of tackles, that can translate. And so there's two things here for to shard choice and whoever's evaluating running backs look for greatness in whatever they do. So, for example, I, that's where I thought they hit on Trey Wisner. Trey Wisner has the potential to be a great slasher, Jerry. Yeah. I mean, totally shocked me. Like, I thought he was going to be a role player at Texas. And he got in there and he started slashing. I'm like, this kid's great at slashing, you know. And Jaden Blue, not a strong power runner up the middle, right? Not the guy, but you get him on the outside and the acceleration is, is great. And so my point is, what you're really looking for are guys that are great at something and then they can fit the entire role. 
um, and will be a willing blocker, will be a willing teammate, all of those things. I, I think that's what he looks for. I think that's what most running back coaches look for. I, I would say another thing is, you know, I, I think with all these guys, if you're going to coach a player, the personalities – guys are different, but the running back room doesn't have 17 guys like Kyle Flood does on the offensive line, right? Or a 14, 12, 13 interior defensive line spot. You generally have six guys, right? Um, but I, I, to shard such an energy guy, I think guy, he feeds off energy. Those guys have to feed off his energy, right? So I think there's a little bit of that fit personality-wise with him as well from a, from a skill standpoint. I think contact balance is, I mean, everybody has a running back with vision, but I, I think that's one of the things is from a, just, just an evaluation, a part of it, contact balance is huge. Here, here's another one. Like, this is interesting to me, right? Cause we talk about this. There are different ways to success. That's right. Jonathan Brooks, one of his best things was patience. Okay. I would never call Bijan Robinson, however, a patient running back. No. Yeah, you know, and so the, that's the thing about running uh, about running the football. If you're great at something, the coaches can kind of manage around that and call different plays within it. That is my point. If you're great at something, you could be a run, one cut running back, Jerry, to the outside, right? You just have to be great at something that people, that coaches can then tap into and utilize that way. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. All right, we got a couple of questions regarding wide receiver Jontae Cook. And uh, we'll start with (laughs) UT boys uh, time of the uh, morning. Here we go. So UT boy did ask Bobby, how do you feel about Jontae's potential? But and then also Phil McIntosh says over under four touchdowns for Jontae Cook. So I'll let y'all answer that. And Bobby lets you speak on his potential and maybe his role this year for the Longhorns. Well, first of all, if he's not over, he's not over on four TDs, then Texas did not do as well in the red zone as they had hoped. Because I I think that Jontae can be that guy that gets open quickly in the red zone. I really, really do. Even though he's a smaller guy. I'm talking about the guy that runs the quick outs, right? The three-yard rub routes to the outside and gets his head around. That's the kind of guy that that Jonte Cook can be from the slot, for, for in my opinion, and do better than an Isaiah Bond at. 
Because I think Bond is faster. I think Cook is quicker. Um, so I, his potential, you know, my, my question is whether or not Jontae can ever be a first-round draft pick, not whether he can ever play in the pros. Right. So let's let's take that, the, what we like to call a ceiling and floor from an evaluation standpoint. A ceiling as a receiver, it, you know, look, Xavier Worthy is likely not to go in the first round. And Xavier Worthy is faster than Jonte Cook. Um, not Jonte is built better than than Xavier, though. So there's that. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see where he's at. I think he's a 50 to 75 catch guy long term in college football um, in Sark's offense. So is that this year or is that in 2025? I think a lot of that depends on how they use Silas Bolden, uh, how Isaiah Bond comes along, if there's any injuries, Matthew Golden, Ryan Wingo, all of that. But I think this year, 40 to 50, 40 to 55 would be a good target, maybe in the 30s, depending on how, how much he's used. But I definitely, I want to see him more on short yardage running rub routes, because I do think that could be something he's really, really good at. Hey guys, this next question here while we're talking about receivers. Uh, Michael Cluckhorn says, growing a new chemistry with the three new receivers will take how long? It's four. If you count Amari Nyblack. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's a receiver. He's tight end, obviously. But um, I think that, that they're working on some of that already. Only Silas Bolden is not in uh, in uh, Austin right now. So I think they're going to work work on that. The play speed is always the one that gets you um, early in the season with new receivers. It's not necessarily knowing the plays. It's understanding where your quarterback looks at when things are going south, right? Um, and so A.D. Mitchell learned that. I thought he A.D. Mitchell became a better player later in the year for Texas, right? We, we all agree with that. I think six games on, he became – a very reliable player for Texas. Okay. First five hit or miss a little bit. So maybe four to five games. And that's an interesting point. We haven't really hit on thing about AD Mitchell was he was still an inexperienced player when he got the Texas because he yep. missed most of year two with that high ankle sprain. He missed nine games. Now he's experienced in the college football playoff and putting on rings, but um, he was an inexperienced guy in terms of how many plays targets, just games you, you'd been in. The one thing I'll say with this, these guys this year is these are very experienced receivers that have transferred into Texas. And so uh, to Bobby's point, part of Bobby's uh, to kind of feed off of what Bobby said, I think these AD Mitchell had still had, he had to get adjusted to the system, but he had to get more experience. These guys have a lot of experience coming in in two years of football. I think A.D. Mitchell played in what? Uh, really played in 12 games? Like true snaps in games? Like a number of snaps in games? Maybe 12 when he got to Texas? Hey, let me ask you a question. This is going back to the Jonte Cook discussion, Jerry. Lad McConkey. Yeah. Georgia, right? Very. Some people have him going in the late first round now. Yeah. By the way. Okay. What is that? Is that? Kind of the ultimate of where Jonte can go, or is Jonte more of a deep threat than McConkie? Because I, I, that's where I kind of, that's how I see Jonte 
maybe maximizing his ability long term? Or am I am I off base on that? Is he more of a downfield threat than that? You know, I, I think I, I don't think that's bad at all. Um, I, I think the big thing with Jonte is going to be, I think all the underneath routes, I think catch and run stuff, he's going to be really, really good. That's where McConkie's terrific. Right. So to your point, the differentiator uh, for Jonte, his, to me, his next big step as a receiver, and, and I'm not just talking in college, I'm talking just period, as he, as he matures as 50-50 balls. It, how many of those is he going to win? What can you do with him in a scheme? To me, somebody brought up Garrett Wilson's 100-meter time, but I, I want to say this about Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson ran 4.38 at the NFL Combine. So I, I, Garrett Wilson was a freak athlete, just for any comparisons with Jonte. And that's not bad on Jonte. But, I mean, I, look, TJ Ford is a guy that doesn't give out a lot of compliments. He had Garrett Wilson in AAU ball, and he once told me, Garrett's junior year. If Garrett had stopped playing football and dedicated himself to basketball, he would have been one of the sub six foot guys to make it in the NBA. As a he, point guard, yes, you mentioned that as a point guard. You talked about that, you know, ten years ago, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that. Look, I mean, we'll see. I, I'm just wondering if that's not his best position. That his because he is really good. I thought after the catch and run. Yes, very. Um, so. And is he phenomenal downfield? I don't know that. It, 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 could he be, be phenomenal as a catch and run guy like McConkey? So, so a little faster, even. You know, he, so. here's where Jonte is going to maximize in that regard for me. Last year was such a learning year. If you go back and watch his catches, um, when he caught the ball in the move, kind of the, the shallow crossers. He tried to take everything to the sidelines because in high school football, you score in, when you get the ball and you get to the sideline. In the college game, when as he learns more, it's kind of like you said, Bobby, like sometimes Cedric Baxter is not patient. So with a wide receiver, what these guys learn is turn, make one guy miss, get upfield quicker. If you're not going to horizontally win in the game of college football or pro football. You have to make one guy miss. That's the quick horizontal lateral win. And then you get up the field to maximize plays. I, I That'll be something to watch for Jonte this year after the catch for me. If he does that, then I think he'll make more plays. All right, so we got some more questions here. And there's uh, plenty of time to get your questions in, so please do so. But, Bobby, before we move on to the next set of questions, I want you to tell everybody out there about Rick Valvro and Austin Underground. Absolutely. Rick's a good friend of the program. We really appreciate him. Austin Underground, since 2004, has specialized in, specialized in difficult underground commercial installations. The team's engineering background gives Austin Underground the ability to perform work other firms often consider just too risky. So if you're considering uh, building, building uh, large construction, what have you, give Rick and his team a call. Uh, they offer an end-to-end -end client experience, including seamless communication, budgeting, staffing, and top-notch trade partners. And most importantly, they produce solid quality work each and every time. That's Austin Underground. Uh, we appreciate their sponsorship every Thursday of Coffee and Football. Okay, guys. Well, let's talk some recruiting here. And uh, let's take this question from Dan Robinson. 
He says, happy snowy morning from Stratford, Ontario, Canada. How does Jay French compare to DeCorian Moore? It's a good question. Well, I, I don't know if anybody, I mean, DeCorian Moore, I thought was the best receiver in Texas last year. Any class didn't matter. Yes, I think he's better than Micah Hudson, all the other guys. I think DeCorian's a pretty special kid now. Um, you see him on the track this spring already. Uh, he's part of a 40.6, 4 by 100 uh, meter team that will prop, that could push low 40 um, by the end of the year. I just I think when you see DeCorian in person, I, I was at a spring practice last year, and there was five, six, power five, wide receiver coach OCs there. And one of them walked up to me and said, he moves different than everybody else. And that is so true, and sometimes that's all you need to hear. When these guys go evaluate everybody and we go out and watch all these guys, they say, and that dude just moves a little different. It's the explosiveness off, off the line. It's the explosiveness out of a cut. It's the ability to be quick, fast, accelerate, and have top-end vertical speed and can be a ball winner. Those guys are just so rare. I think Jamie French is a really good player. I think nationally he's the cut below DeCorian Moore, but I'm not sure everybody's not the cut below DeCorian Moore in 2025 at wide receiver. He's really good. And then our next Oh, three. sorry. Bring up Zane Petty. Somebody's putting UT Boy on the spot. Oh, UT Boy, this is not what you wanted today. <laughs> no comment. Oh, no. Oh, no. You got to pick one. Oh, no. <laughs> we'll give him we'll give him a little time to think about it and we'll come back there. I'm not gonna be popular with UT boy, but I'm going to Corian more. Hey, what do we think? Well, let's go back. We started this talking about you know, the NFL combine today, because they get going at two o'clock, right? Yep. Uh this afternoon. Um Texas is gonna have not only Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat, the linebackers work out today as well. So yeah, big, big day for Jalen Ford as well what do we need to see what is like i was thinking about this um and i and i wrote this in our in our uh little scroll at the bottom murphy is trying to secure a first round spot right maybe That's, a top 10 yeah they he's trying to push up yeah. you know, whether he's 16 or 10 we don't know could a phenomenal combine push him a little higher yeah but he's really just trying to secure that mid first round spot Devondre Sweat is clearly trying to show improved conditioning. That's big. That that is huge for him. He's oh, he's been overweight. He's struggled with his weight at times. He's trying to show that he's ready to go in that regard. That's big for him. What is it for Jalen Ford? I mean, is it is it a sub four eight forty time or sub four seven forty time? Sub four seven. Is that I mean, what it is? Yeah. So so uh, let's go through it. So let's start with Byron Murphy. 40 irrelevant if he pops something great, you know, it'll look good on, on video. But 10-yard split, L-cone, 5-10-5, then the drills. Um, He's going to interview well. I think he's already gotten past the fact that he's got shorter arms and is only six foot and three quarters, six one, whatever he'll top out at uh, by their official measurements, right? Um, with Tavondre Sweat, you, you said it. He's... The senior bowl, the one negative for him coming out of the senior bowl was carrying too much weight, first and second down player. And that's saying something. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's going to be a second, third round pick, right? Um, so obviously 40 doesn't matter with him. All the 10-yard splits matters with these guys, though. The, the, the 10, the explosiveness, that first 10, 
And then I really do think movement skills and drills are going to be big for him, showing improved conditioning. If those guys say, okay, this guy looks better than he did at Senior Bowl, I think that helps him. With Jalen Ford, it's all testing for me. I think the video's instinctive. I think he's got the size. He's got the arm length. He's got the hand sign. He's got the frame. Um, I think he had the production in college. His is all about the, the 10, the 40, the L cone, and the shuttle. He needs to have a really good testing day. If he does, he'll elevate. Because I don't think he, he's expected to test as a top three round type of guy. Hey, I was going to say, uh, speaking of Murphy, there was a lot of smoke yesterday, especially on social media from apparently some NFL insiders that he may not last past pick number 11, I believe, to the Vikings. Wow. Uh, the Vikings are apparently eyeing in on him. Of course, you know, obviously, all this, there's pl plenty of time for all that to change. But uh, from what I've read, they really like him. And then uh, Ford also with quite a few meetings yesterday, I think with four teams formally and two informally. Hey, Jerry, we talked earlier in this program about uh, guys that – dogs that bite as a pup, right? We talked about that. How much in that, that fearless mentality you used, as well as the the ability that they have to have to, to really play early as freshmen? I, I almost I, there was a I was talking to a guy last week and he kept using the term demeanor. So maybe demeanor, in his opinion, is being a pro, like treating yeah. like like you should with the you know your time there on the field and off, as well as a fearlessness. Right. And a seriousness like I think of Kelvin Banks, I think, a, a, you know, Byron Murphy. I mean, a, a little bit of this. You knew he'd take he would take things seriously from the start because he had 60 college hours. Yes. Before he even entered the University of Texas. No question. And that's why I'm so high on Christian. So, yeah, that, that's what I'm getting at is. Yeah. You know, those guys that play early, demeanor is a good word. You used fearlessness. It's almost a – look, the old term is intangible. Yeah. Right? But we're trying to describe more of what, what makes those young guys bite, you know? So, so I'll say this. I think the toughest thing – what's interesting is this is now playing into it for college football coaches in a way it never has. I mean, you know – but with NIL, but the, I think the biggest decision NFL teams have to make is if player X, what is he going to do when he has 1 million, 2 million, 5 million, $10 million in the bank? Is he still going to want to be, does football matter that much to him that he still wants to be a great player? If teams get concerned about that, that's, I think you see some guys drop that you're kind of like, that doesn't make sense. But they do all the interviews with these guys, okay? And that is, I know, a legitimate concern for, for teams with these guys, with the money nowadays they make. How much do they love the game? And how is the money going to affect their, the way they approach the game? And that goes into demeanor and everything we talk about. And I think that's why Byron Murphy, it, it with shorter arms than ideally you want, not as tall as you ideally want, maybe doesn't weigh as much as you ideally want a D-tackle, three-tech to weigh. He checks all those boxes. 
Now, does that mean he will when he's 28? I can't answer that. But remember, we had Tom Luganbill on, on the show, and we were talking about Jadavion Clowney. Jadavion Clowney is still maybe the most talented football player, prospect I've, I've ever seen in my years doing this. Um, but all those things we just talked about with him, and he was still so talented he's been an all-pro or a, a pro bowler. But those things we talked about right there is what he's lacked from being an all-time great. All right, so we will. We got a couple. I think we have a couple of combine questions, real quick. Uh, Sark after dark here says, "Will Worthy run a four point two nine forty at the combine?" Interestingly enough, I saw an interview with Brendan Marion yesterday, and he was asked, "What do you think that Worthy will run?" And he said he will run at least a four three. If he doesn't run a four three, him and I will have problems. But I actually expect him to run better. Than a four three, of course, obviously from the former Texas wide receiver coach. It'll be it'll be how hard he's worked. We'll see if if Xavier Worthy to Jerry's part, point, whether he's taken these last three months seriously, um, or two months, whatever it is, since uh, he last played a game, uh, healed up and then got after it because Xavier Worthy has the four two speed in him. Yeah, he does. He does. So so yeah, we talk about this, and I want to hit on this. So like. Being part of Under Armour camps, Bobby went to Nike camps for years. These kids, what's so interesting about the NFL Combine as you prepare to be a, a pro and really test is I can't I can't tell you how many times a really talented player who's a fast guy makes a three-hour drive to an Under Armour Combine or Nike camp, right? It leaves his house at 5 in the morning, gets out of his car, stretches a little bit, and then goes and runs a 40 at 8.30 in the morning. These kids don't prepare and they don't really know how to run a 40 they don't train so all these guys right now as you get ready for the nfl draft this is your time to maximize that and learn to run a 40 the start uh everything that goes into it so uh, if if xavier worthy has maximized that like bobby said these last couple of months and and is going to run the best 40 he can I wouldn't be shocked if it was four three one four three two. I'm fine with anything below four three five. To be honest, he needs it. Four, I think it's not four three zero. I mean, I, that's, well, that's the crazy thing is when you're as fast as Worthy is as a slight, slightly built receiver, four four hurts you in the draft. Yes, <laughs> I mean that's you have to be four three five. Yeah, he, look, he's he's a better receiver in my opinion than McCole Hardman, who just caught the game winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. All right. Same type, same level of speed, perhaps. I mean, McCole Hardman can run now, or can run. But he's a, that same type of receiver. There's a place for him. He's got to he's got to run well. The, the other big one for Worthy is the gauntlet. That's like the big for him. Okay, guys. Well, that's going to do it for today's Leap Day edition of Coffee and Football, <laughs> presented by Rick Valfro and Austin Underground. Want to thank them for sponsoring today's show, along with Manscaped, a fan favorite for sure. And uh, one more time, please fill out that survey over on ontexasfootball.com. It's in the, a little help thread on the forums, or it's been in the chat a couple of times as well. Three questions takes about 30 seconds. Your input would be greatly appreciated because on Sunday night at 7 p.m., we will settle it. Who's going to come win it all 
in the uh, Longhorn trivia game that we're going to have made up of three different sections. We'll see if Bobby Burton has to read the Manscaped ad next week. I know the chat seems like they sure are rooting for that to happen, Bobby. So you're going to have to prove them wrong. Uh, but yeah, thank you all for tuning in. And if you haven't already hit the like and subscribe button, we would appreciate that. Be sure to ring the bell so you're notified anytime, every time we post a video or go live. And then head on over to ontexasfootball.com to continue today's discussions and a whole lot more. So for Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton, I'm Blake Monroe, and we'll see you tomorrow morning. Hook them. I got Bobby to win. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.